Welcome to Brain Chat with the Nerdy Neurologist. I'm Dr. Mitzi Joy Williams, and I'm your board-certified neurologist and MS specialist. My mission is to engage, educate, and empower those affected by MS to become an active part of their healthcare team. Here on Brain Chat, we'll be talking all things MS, health and wellness, advocacy, and we'll throw a little bit of music and music therapy in there as well. Thank you so much for joining us, and stay tuned for the next episode. Happy Tuesday, everyone. It's Dr. Mitzi. I am so excited to be here with you for our uh, episode, our post-July 4th episode of Brain Chat. Um, This is not at our regular time, but hopefully lots of folks will be able to tune in or catch us on the replay. So we've got an action-packed show ready for you tonight. We're going to talk with two of my favorite super friends, uh, John Strum and Stuart Schlossman, and we're going to talk about um, valid sources of information or trusted sources of information. So first, I'm going to introduce my wonderful guests, um, and then I'm going to bring them up into the stream, and we're going to chat it up as we do on Brain Chat. All right, so let's start with Stuart Schlossman. He is the president and founder of MS Views and News, is a not-for-profit 501c3 organization that provides educational information programs, and services for the global MS community. I've really had um, the pleasure of working with Stuart on multiple projects um, and excited to have him here tonight. Um, MS Views and News was founded in 2008 and has continued rapid growth and success in serving the MS population. Uh, They have provided over 700 live educational programs serving MS communities throughout the U.S., And um, they also have provided more than 60 virtual events since the beginning of the pandemic. You know, so I really applaud the work that they're doing and kind of that transition and shift from those live events to virtual events to continue to provide that um, education. Uh, Stuart started his journey with this organization for personal reasons as he lives with MS, which he'll share a little bit with us about that. Um, And basically started the organization's Uh, basically to help uh, provide information because he saw that there were limited paths to finding credible and quality information about living with MS. All right, so we'll bring Stuart up. Awesome sauce. Welcome, Stuart. Well, thank you very much. But after that intro, how am I going to answer anything? You already answered <laughs> I said everything. All right. Just well, wait till I talk about John. All right. So John Strom is the host of Real Talk MS, a podcast that uh, he does weekly that delivers news, views, interviews, and breakthroughs uh, for people affected by MS. Um, and these are this is information that they need to know about. Um, since he launched in September 2017, he's had over 200 episodes and been downloaded more than a million times by listeners in over 100 countries around the world. Um, His wife, Jeannie, was diagnosed with progressive MS in 1997, and he served as her caregiver until she lost her battle with MS in February of 2020. And uh, his story and her story was featured on a documentary film called Seeing MS from the Inside Out. He serves on the International Progressive MS Alliance Scientific Steering Committee, and he also uh, is a member uh, ambassador for the MS Society. And he chairs the MS Society's California Government Relations Advisory Committee. Welcome, John. Hey, Dr. Mitzi. 
All right, so this is so fun because these are two of the people who always ask me a lot of questions. So today I get to ask them questions, but no, we're going to have a great conversation. And I think that this topic is so important because when we talk about the technology age, there's so much information at our fingertips. Um, there is information from the internet, information on, you know, in different uh, groups, in different uh, support groups. So, you know, I think. I think it's important for us to be able to find credible and quality, as Stuart said, information. So let's start by having you guys just tell us a little bit about yourselves, um, and then we'll kind of go into, you know, the importance of receiving different types of information. We'll start with Stuart. I knew you were going to pick on me first. Of course, of course. <laughs> All right. So yes, my name is Stuart Schlossman, president and founder of MS Views and News. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis in 1998. I found that when I was diagnosed that there was no information really to be found from others. And so being internet savvy, I was able to get on the internet and start searching about MS. And then uh, being with people at support groups and other places that I was seeing people with multiple sclerosis, I learned that they really don't know why they have MS. So I said, well, you know, if you want me to find information for you, let me, I'll look it up for you. And I started sending it to so many people that I made like a little periodical that I labeled Stu's Views and MS News. And that was the beginning. I mean, a lot of people that still follow our organization still remember Stu's Views and MS News because that's how it all began. I don't know if I just answered everything you wanted, but we could go did. further from here. You did. I remember Stu's views and news. I remember um, directing patients to that source of information cool. because, you know, you would talk about different scientific studies and you would sometimes ask different experts questions. And sometimes you come with your camera and be set up at a meeting and ask people questions and interview them. So, so I remember those beginnings and it's amazing to see how far you've come since then. All right, John, tell us, tell us a little bit of your, uh, or, story, so to speak? I guess my origin story uh, started with my wife's diagnosis. I think that's when most of us kind of connect with the MS community. Although it was actually many years later, uh, six years ago to be exact, where I was uh, one of three people in the world named to the Scientific Steering Committee for the International Progressive MS Alliance. And as I went to our meetings and heard firsthand from the research community about the work that was being done and really more than the work itself but when i got to appreciate the passion that these researchers bring to this complex work i found myself leaving feeling really encouraged about the future but i realized that i was the only person from north america sitting in the room and I thought perhaps a few other people might feel encouraged if they heard some of this news. And that was really the, the, the motivation to start the podcast. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So thinking about sources of information. So um, both of you have been a part of the MS community for some time. Tell me a little bit about how you know, you saw information when you first um, were introduced to the MS community versus the types of information that people are able to receive now. So you want me to go first? Go for it. Great. Okay. Also, before I forget, you know, because I got MS and I forget what I want to say. <laughs> All right. And CRS. All right. So well, <laughs> and CRS. Can't and remember CRS. stuff. That's right. 
So um, when I was first diagnosed, um, again, there wasn't much information available. Somebody asked me to get in touch with the Multiple Sclerosis Foundation, which they were fantastic. Um, the amount of information that they provided me and steered me and then even steered me into connecting with the National Multiple Sclerosis Society. So those were my base points, I'll say, on where I started gaining all my knowledge. And then from there, I just learned that, you know, with all the people, again, that I was around that weren't getting any information. So I was steering them to get to these two organizations, all right, or, you know, or ask me to find them the information. But the MS Society saw that, you know, I can do something. And the MS Foundation saw that I could do something. And the foundation had me start an independent support group, which was great. All right. And I don't remember the motto to it, but it's had something to do with growling like a bear because you want to get above, you know, be stronger than your MS. All right. Mm -hmm. And the National MS Society asked me to chair their Coral Gables MS walk. Now, this was six months after I was diagnosed. Hmm. All right. Um, and I took over the walk site and I put together a team of people and we put together our own walk team that we called the Hot Shots. But we uh, were the Hot Shots not because we were big shots. We were the hot shots because all of us on the team were doing Avonex at the time. Right? <laughs> and we had that warning. Which is a medicine, which is an injectable medicine for MS. That's right. And by uh -huh. the way, back then it was, you had to, you know, make your own formula for it um, by, by mixing everything together. So anyway, it felt warm going into the body. And um, so we called ourselves the hot shots. All right. So, so I, I chaired the uh, Coral Gables MS Walk for five years. And during those five years, the society also asked me to chair the Fort Lauderdale Walk. And I did that for two years there and five years at the, at the uh, Coral Gables site. So, yeah, I was learning a lot and providing a lot and doing a lot and helping people learn what they need to learn. We also started a support group for the National MS Society that I did with two other people for 10 years. So, and that was before MS Views and News. Yeah. Yeah. So word of mouth um, and then certainly looking at different organizations. I remember lots of pamphlets. So when I first started treating MS, we had a pamphlet about everything. And I still in my office today have lots of pamphlets, but mostly we handed out pamphlets or we would write or call someone at our societies and ask them to send people pamphlets. Um, some of our um, industry partners would have what we call non-branded uh, information where maybe we had a booklet. I remember one company made this beautiful booklet with like graphics about MS to help people learn. But really, we were handing people pieces of paper, you know, for a very long time before all of this information got published on the Internet. What are your thoughts, John? Well, literally the day uh, my wife was diagnosed, I reached out to the National MS Society, thinking that would be a good place to start in terms of getting information. And I think I, I still think it was a very good call to make. Literally, it was a it was a call to make at that time. Um, the the internet was there, but not particularly well populated yet. And so I remember the society hosting several teleconferences that you dialed into, and it would kind of be like this, but we wouldn't be seeing each other, right? And um, those were incredibly useful and and i guess i appreciated the validity of the information that was being shared because it was always coming from someone who was highly credentialed and whose credibility kind of spoke for itself in terms of their their achievement in the field so it was great hearing from experts 
Absolutely. So kind of switching gears a little bit, let's talk about the importance uh, or what is credible or quality information. So I think, you know, one of the things that's extremely important to recognize with MS is that everybody's experience is different, right? So there's no, it's not a cookie cutter disease. So everybody's different and everyone's lived experience is important. But at the same time, because someone went through this thing doesn't mean that everyone else will go through that. And so what is the importance of finding or plugging into credible and quality sources of information as you become a part of the MS community, whether through a diagnosis for yourself or for, you know, a family member or care partner who's trying to understand what's going on when their family member gets diagnosed? I'm going to back to that you're going to turn to social media, which was something that I didn't have to think about when I first even went online to find information. And I think that carries with it a double-edged sword and sort of a, a personal requirement. The double-edged sword is that everybody is sharing information. The flip side is not all the information is necessarily accurate or appropriate to you. So I think that 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 element of personal responsibility comes in is if you're going to mine social media for information, you have to take on the responsibility of sort of separating the wheat from the chaff. Hmm. You have to, and, and that's a big responsibility and it takes a lot of homework. And that's why I think that it's great. I think we all spend time on social media and it's great to do so, but I think you have to temper it with sources that you can count on hmm. to be credible all the time. I think that we've seen in our world, certainly over the last few years, we've often seen opinion and fact get misused, misplaced, and, and named for each other. Right. So I think that when you can't agree on the ground rules of what is real, it becomes really tricky and frankly scary mm -hmm. to try to process a lot of the stuff that's out there. Absolutely, go ahead, Stuart. So I was, I was going to say similarly to what John was talking about, about misinformation on social media. So we have seven different pages on, on Facebook. We have the Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever, but it's Facebook that's really um, a bad source for people to be asking others in those different on those different pages well i have this going on and that going on what do you say you know and they hear about from all the people that are just really not worth not not professional enough to answer and you just hear some ridiculous answers going on and the people are actually believing it rather than calling their doctor or saying that they're calling their doctor's office but that nobody's getting back to them all right. And that's a, that's a big thing. And that's a, another reason why a lot of people do turn to whatever they can find on social media. They're not able to um, to grasp the correct information from their doctor's office. They don't want to contact the uh, MS organizations. So, again, they're reaching out. They're hearing all different things. What bothers me most is on the pages where you have the different medicines on social media and all these people on there talking negative about it. Who's to say they're even patients? Right. They, could be, they could be a marketing company for another one of the MS medications, just giving all this bad information all the time. Right. You know, so, you know, we go on there and we try to tell people all the time, contact your doctor, contact your doctor, contact your doctor, or use some of the reliable sources on the, on the Internet 
you know, with the uh, with the NIH or or um, any of the other medical sites that are on there to look up things. Absolutely. And I think, you know, both of you said some very, very important things. We first have to kind of sort out what is fact, and what is not fact. We have to agree on what are facts. Right. And I think I love that thought that you said, John, about personal responsibility. When you're going to a certain source for information, we have to recognize what type of information we're looking for. So in a support group, you know, or in an online support group, you know, it can be very helpful for people to know that they're not by themselves. If they say, my hand is tingling. Does anybody else have that? Just to see maybe 20 or 30 or 40 people who have that same symptom may be encouraging to them. But we have to look at the difference between getting support versus getting medical advice, right? Um, And so it's always important, um, as you said, Stuart, to go back Talk to your healthcare team if you're having issues and don't look at those as sources of treatment um, for your particular case of MS, which could be very, very different from someone else's um, case of MS. But of course, social media also can be very useful because all of us um, that do, I consider my platform a credible source of information and yours are also credible sources of information. um, We do use social media as a tool to get that information out to people. So what are some tips that you guys would offer to people to kind of look at, you know, is this a credible source or, you know, should I, you know, potentially look somewhere else uh, for this type of information? What are your tips for people when, you know, when someone's getting diagnosed, diagnosed, they go to Google and they type in MS and basically may look at everything that pops up. Like, how would you um, direct them to credible source of information or what things would you tell them to look for? Do you mind if I go first, John? Please. Okay, so we tell a lot of the people to reach out to the social workers from the different uh, MS organizations. If they can't get in touch with their doctor's office for reliable information and they can't get in touch with um, some of the other top people around, then they should reach out to the social workers because generally speaking, they are always available. And that is available from what? You have them from the National MS Society, the MS Foundation, the MS Association of America. MS Views and News used to have, but we don't have that anymore. All right. And um, but we do want to get back into that again. And, um, you know, it's it's that is probably the way that people should be reaching out for what really ails them most and not be looking for the answers only on social media. Unfortunately, on Facebook, you have just people thinking that they're getting their answers from others on there. And I, I don't agree with that. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts, John? Well, I think that it, it's as simple as, as contacting the right organizations, like Stuart said. I think the tricky part is sometimes knowing which organizations they are. And, and so look at the National MS Society or, 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 or the uh, – uh, MS Association of America or or the foundation, some of the large na- nationwide patient advocacy groups are a great place to start. You know, one of the nice things that I know the MS Society offers is they have a program called MS Navigators, where they will take your problem. If it's MS related, no matter what it is, they will get you your answer. So that's always a good source. Mm-hmm. And I love the idea of being able to contact your healthcare team. But that can also be tricky. I think that that the availability of that of those team members isn't the same from one group of folks to the other, right? And so part of this to me still comes down to choosing to be an informed medical consumer. 
So when you are interviewing your MS specialist or that team that's going to work with you, one of your questions for them in your first meeting is, when I have a question, are you or someone from your office available to answer? Right. Oh, you are great. How would you like me to get you that question? Is it best to call? Would you prefer email? And get that information up front so that as a patient, you're establishing what your expectation is in terms of service and you know that the questions that pop into your mind, and boy, there are so many of them, well, those questions are going to be answered by someone who's qualified and credible. Yeah, so I love that idea. So I have definitely been interviewed a time or two. <laughs> there have been people who want to interview me before they see me, and I'm not offended by that at all. But I like that idea because when you go to the doctor's office, they ask, what's the best way to contact you? Should we call you? Should we email you? You know, uh, should we send a telegram? I'm being facetious. Nobody sends telegrams. But I like that idea of also asking what's the easiest way of communication. For instance, for my office, the easiest way is through our, is the email. So if someone sends me an email, I can respond at like 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night. Um, but if you call and leave a voicemail somewhere, it's going to take a lot longer um, to get to that. So I like that idea of that interview process and that exchange. Um, and I do think that it's important for us as a healthcare team to kind of get the ball rolling. So whenever people come to see me, especially for their first visit, I say, hey, these are good sources of information. If you're going to Google and you're going to go on Dr. Google, let's start here. And so I like outlining, you know, good sources of information, which include both of your platforms, by the way. Um, but to get people started and then they can kind of branch out from there and look for other for other sources of information. Can I add into that? It's Absolutely. That a lot of the uh, doctors or the medical offices these days all have portals where people can just go on and, and write directly to their doctor. So even yes. if their MS center has, you know, four, five, six uh, MS neurologists or neurologists in general there, you can still write directly to your neurologist or your PA or nurse practitioner or whatever and get the answers. And that, though, is not told to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It seems that a lot of doctors only tell their favorite patients about mm -hmm. this because mm -hmm. they don't want to be hit with 400 people writing to them. But mm -hmm. how else are the people supposed to get through? And again, I see this from being a leader of an organization we hear about it, but I also, you know, I'm an MS patient. I too want answers quicker than a lot of the doctors can give it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, um, again, it's extremely important to know the ways that you can communicate. Um, and then I also think that, you know, especially starting my own practice and being by myself and going from eight people to one people, <laughs> do sometimes have a little patience with your doctor. If there are 400 of you and one of them, uh, they may not be able to answer every question immediately. Um, but I think, you know, again, it's important to take that personal responsibility to reach out and get that education because we are supposed to provide um, that education for you know our patients and the people that we get to serve. So um, now let's let's switch gears and let's talk about we kind of hinted on it, but I want to get into a little bit more detail about how we combat misinformation or disinformation um, because I think this is a huge issue. You know, there's this whole thing on the internet. You know, they call people trolls who kind of go to certain pages and you know purposely, I guess 
this because they don't have anything better to do. Um, offer misinformation or as Stuart said earlier, how can we verify, um, you know, uh, the information that is being given, you know, so so how do how do we combat misinformation or how do you personally combat misinformation? Before we go to that, I see in the comments one of my colleagues um, also recommended during those doctor's appointments. That's also a good place to ask questions. Um, I encourage my uh, patients to bring me their list, whether it's on their smartphone, whether it's on a piece of paper, whether it's on their calendar. They kind of jot down the things that have happened um, so that we don't forget in case you have CRS, can't remember stuff. Um, um, and so to bring that list of things so that we can try to address those at the visit, because there's nothing worse than going through a whole visit and then getting home and saying, oh, man, I forgot to ask Dr. Mitzi such and such and such and such. So that's also something that can be, um, you know, very helpful to kind of keep that running list so that when you go to that scheduled appointment, um, you can ask some of those questions and get them answered as well. Can but, I? Can I um, so we created that tool, two sided piece of paper. But all mm -hmm. the information that you need to ask your MS neurologist or nurse practitioner um, for you to fill out prior to you even going for your visit. So that way, when you do get there, like the, Dr. Williams said, that nothing is forgotten. But for anybody who wants to access that, it's available through the MS Views and News website. And if you have, if you cannot, um, if you feel that you need to fill it out online, you can fill it out online and then just print it out from there. Absolutely. So just go to the tools section on our site and it's all available there. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have people that send me typewritten notes, people that come with their bullet points, you know, right. but it's also important to save up those questions so you can ask them in person sure. as well. Okay. So now back to, back to, back to disinformation and misinformation. So I think that this is really, really important because, you know, um, unfortunately with graphics and technology, people can make up stuff. People can make up articles. People can make up fake websites. Like, right. you know, there's this uh, site that I like to go to, uh, Snopes, you know, so when people post these articles that sound really crazy, I go to Snopes and I say, is that real? And it's like, no, that is absolutely not real. Or sometimes it is. But so how do we, you know, or how do you deal with disinformation or combat misinformation um, in your platforms? And, and what advice do you give to folks? Um, so, so yeah, it's a tough one. It's a really tough question to ask. And um, again, you know, it, it feeds back to just asking people to follow up on where they found the information. Show me the article. All right. So we even had um, yesterday I had somebody contact me and talking about myo something facial um, stretching that that it's only been found that it's the best thing for MS patients to have. And I, I looked it up as they were talking to me online and I said, no, the MS society says it's not worth it. You know, it, it, it's just a, a form of stretching. I told them, you know, you should be looking at Pilates. You should be looking at yoga. You should be looking at just physical therapy. I mean, where you come off, you know, listening to somebody else telling you that something works, does it really, did it work for them? Okay, well, that's great. So it worked for them, but is it really going to work for you? So we do have, though, and I don't know if I'm just talking here, but the MS Fusa News um, um, site, we have Pilates classes and yoga classes, and, and we have physical therapy twice a month. And that's really the place that I would point people to go to if they need any of that, aside from pointing them to the large organizations. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how to say to combat the misinformation. Other than to yeah. say, where did you get it? What's your source? Right, you know, where right. did you hear something like that? Because 
I think that I'm like an encyclopedia of MS. And when I don't know the answer, I turn to you or I turn to <laughs> one of the other advisors Experts, in the organization, yeah. right? You know, and ask them, hey, is this, um, is this the answer? Or, you know, what can you tell me to tell this person? I think, I think it's, a, it's a tough question that doesn't have an easy answer to it. Right. Because the other dimension of that scenario of somebody looking online for information and going to social media and reading someone who is who has put something out there because it worked for them. The person reading it wants to believe it's going to work for them as well, the right. same way. And so it's they're not in that moment, they're not necessarily the objective arbiter of what is fact and what is opinion. Mm -hmm. What they are is desperate for a solution and there's one in front of them. Mm -hmm. And that makes it a very hard sell to undo. I mean, I talk Absolutely. about this more on my podcast than probably my listeners want to hear. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times I determine the kinds of topics we're going to talk about in a particular episode based on some of the misinformation that I find online. Mm -hmm. And so I try to bring in an expert. I, I don't really offer my opinions except when it comes to advocacy and those are always clearly labeled. Mm -hmm. But outside of the advocacy arena, I don't offer opinions. What I offer is evidence. Right. So if we talk about a particular study and, and this happens a lot. I think it's encouraging to know that good things are happening, but I always try to keep it in perspective. So if somebody has success with a, a potential treatment, but it's such an early stage, it's happened in the mouse model of MS, which is where research begins. I always remind my listeners, there's a big, literally a big difference between a mouse brain and a human brain. Right. And if everything that worked on mice worked on us, there wouldn't be any MS anymore. But exactly. we know that's not the case, right? Exactly. So I try to temper the news, which I think is great because even if uh, a particular research project is destined not to make it all the way through the process, the advancement, the things that are learned along the way, all those things move, help move the ball down the field. It's never as fast as we want it, but it always right. does. So I want to give encouraging news, but I want to temper it with kind of the reality surrounding it. I want to cite the evidence. And so when I talk about something, I always include a link in the show notes for that episode so people can read it for themselves. They can print it out and take it to their next neurology appointment and discuss it and say, hey, does this look like something that might be able to help me one day? Or where is this in relation to where I am? Um, so I think evidence is important. I, I always try to interview people who are doing the work because I think that there's this mysterious gap between the research community and the patient community. Right. And that gap is too often filled by people who are not entitled to their own opinion. Right. Right. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, so much of what both of you said is so important. Um, but I really do think it's important to balance the message. Um, I do love that the MS community is generally a very well-educated community. Sure. My patients bring me articles all the time. And I'm like, well, gosh, I hadn't even seen that yet. So I love that. I love that challenge. And I love that people are proactive. Um, I think it's very important to balance that information with the research. I think 
think it's very important to talk about the research and what's on the horizon and, and what's coming. And I love to talk about how far we've come. One of my favorite lines at every program I've done is, listen, MS is a disease we've known about since the 1800s. And we didn't have any medicine until 1993. From 1993 to now, in a really short period of time. We have almost 20 different ways that we can approach this and many, many more on the horizon. So I love to talk about the progress, but we do have to provide that balance um, and kind of set those expectations. I think that my tip would be if there's anything that is proposed as a, uh, a, a cure-all for everyone, I would be a little wary of it, right? Because as we've talked about, we know that everybody's MS is different. Um, and so there's some people that are on drug X and they're excellent on it and they do fine for 20 years. There's some people that take it for 20 months and can't take it because it doesn't control their MS. So if there's anything that's saying that, you know, everybody's going to get 100% better, that's always something I would be a little leery about, um, you know. And so, and then the other thing that is often difficult is whenever we have a new treatment, you know, uh, we have someone that, you know, uh, will go from not walking to walking. And so every treatment we have, there's someone who says that they got out of a wheelchair, you know, which very well may be the case for them. But, you know, whenever that happens, I usually get lots of calls in and everybody's like, this is going to make me do this and make me be able to swim and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so we have to also kind of temper those messages as well. But we also don't know the source of that person that says it. Exactly. And, mirac and miraculously, they don't know anybody in the area where they're living and they've never gone to a support group and they were, in fact, they don't even have a driver's license. Right. <laughs> Yet they're out there talking about how well this drug is working for them. Right. And don't forget bee sting therapy. That's another we, we I had several people that got bee sting right. therapy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I got several people that got that too. You know, but again, anything that is supposed to be a blanket cure-all for everyone, you know, are, are definitely things that we should, um, you know, be concerned about. And then always, always, always go back to your healthcare provider if you have questions. If you want to know if this is the right thing for me, go back to your healthcare provider. So um, extremely, extremely important. All right. So tell me a little bit more. So we talked a little bit about what inspired you all to start your platforms. Tell me some of the things that you've seen or some of the ways that you feel like, you know, uh, you have seen uh, positive outcomes from your platforms. Let's let's take a few seconds to brag a little bit on yourselves, because well, I think you guys to. are doing some amazing work. I'm, I'm going to I'm definitely jumping in on this one first. Go for it, Stuart. So Firstly, um, since the beginning of the pandemic, I, I think you mentioned earlier that we did, I don't remember how many you said, but actually, uh, yeah, okay, but that was, I think, just in year one, all right? So this year alone, we've already done 51 programs since January through now, and a few of those are also hybrid, okay? And once upon a time, we didn't know the word hybrid, all right? We were doing a program, and we did it as a live stream. Now, you know, that's the program that's now called in-person and you're doing it virtually at the same time. So all of a sudden they come out with this new combination and it's called a hybrid program. So we've done some hybrid programs already for this year. All the programs that we had that were Compass to Care programs, which was Compass to Care Rural America and underserved communities. Sorry, we were doing only virtually this year and last. Now we're returning all of those into hybrid programs. So for the remainder of this year, we're doing 12 educational programs at a location in a rural area or a suburban area of the United States. Okay. And all of those programs will also be held 
virtually. All right. Um, since we started doing educational programs in 2010, we have now held almost 900 educational programs. Sweet. Okay. Um, and that's between our actual programs that are educational programs, different class type things that we're doing, like I mentioned earlier with the Pilates and the yoga. Um, we also do twice a month of physical therapy. We don't include that in the numbers for the educational programs. So we do have all these different things happening. We had, we started the pandemic with a, uh, or with a series called MS Views Now. And this is just to update everybody monthly on what was happening with COVID. And it was amazing that I saw after the first nine months, this evolution of information that was coming and how it was just so, for, we had a lot of people that were on every single month's platform of, of, of that series. And what we were learning every month and the different changes and how to go with it and, and, and just really be able to be able to talk to people about what was happening was a great thing. We've had MS Neuro TV, which started off as just a uh, recorded program. This was happening for years already, and that became a virtual program. That's a different series of programs. This year, we also started MS Patients Voices, where I sit mm. down with different MS patients who are all doing some kind of work in their lives, real work, that benefit the MS community. And there are hundreds of people like that. And we get calls from people. Can you interview me? Can you get me on your show? This tickles me because we know we're making a difference. As yeah. I'm telling you this right now, my skin is fluttering, all right? Because I know it's making a huge difference. Absolutely. We, we did a program this year on um, rach, racial uh, differences uh, in MS and, and different changes of culture and who's affected by the MS and how it affects them. Uh, race, culture, and community was called. Uh, mm -hmm. We have wellness events. We have mental health events, um, all different series of programs. And it's like, you know, it doesn't matter. We could get anywhere between 50 and 200 people on each of these programs like, like yours. All right. But then how many thousands are watching it when, once it's published right. to YouTube channel. And, right. you know, it's obviously makes a huge difference. We see a tremendous amount of people register for these programs they don't come on because they know it's going to be on the youtube channel and they can watch it watch it at their leisure they can turn it on and off taking out the dogs going wee wees doing this taking care of the kids whatever <laughs> it might be taking a nap you know whatever it is it right. doesn't matter to me as long as right. we're able to provide and give and it's not just the patients that are contacting us for ms patients voices we have medical people contacting us saying why aren't you using me you know, why aren't you using me to speak at one of your programs? And I said, because I, I have my crew, you know, I like doing that. Now, let me ask you this, Stuart. So how do you come up with topics? So John mentioned that sometimes he picks topics based on uh, information because I can always count on Stuart to send me at least four or five topics. So yeah. if Stuart does a program, he's going to say, I want you to talk about, you know, A, B, C, D, and E. So how do you pick your topics for your program? So Jennifer Falk, who was our social worker, started mm -hmm. off with MS Views and News that way, but also did grant writing. We found that Jennifer loves writing grants. So Jennifer writes grants, but come every July or August, Jennifer and I sit down for a day and we plan the following year and what we want to do and the topics that we want to have um, for the different types of programs, the different series of programs, the different topics per program. And sometimes she comes out with this list and I say, 
That's not possible. And she says, what's not possible? I said, you want a different doctor to speak about nine different things in 40 minutes? I mean, what are they going to get? You know, five minutes for on everything? Well, the answer is yes. Yes, that's exactly so, what we do. Yes. <laughs> so we can, we can do that. We can have you talk about it. And then the Q&A is another 60 minutes afterwards. And people get to ask more of everything that you started the conversations about. All right. And that really works. So it's... um. You know, it's 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 great to be able to come out with these different types of programs and have people saying, I need more. I want more. What else can you bring me? And we have people every single day of the week writing to us. When are you coming to our community? Mm -hmm. We need this. We never get out, you know. And, mm -hmm. you know, we did four programs during 2020 in people's towns. OK, mm -hmm. very, very socially distanced programs. Everybody had to be masked. Everybody knew the rules of what it took to be at that program. We had 10 feet between the tables. We had only four people sitting at a program and we kept it very, very safe. Mm -hmm. um, and for that alone, people knew that we were doing that and asked if we would come to their areas that, you know, people are bottled up, especially in the rural areas. They don't get to see anybody um, They're They're a lot of them living alone. I'm sorry I'm rambling on and on here. Cut me that's off okay. whenever you want to, right? That's okay. That's okay. Um, they, they're, they're, um, they're living by themselves. They're either yeah. older or they're so disabled that they can't even get now Uber or anybody to come to them and pick them up. So they're, yeah. they're stuck where they are. Yeah. So, you know, we were able to provide these wellness, these mental health things. We had different psychologists on talking mm -hmm. about different things. Um, getting to their towns and be able to provide, sending information to people directly. Um, it, it's just... So you know, great. it's 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 what we do. We're a source yeah. of information. We also created the MS Hub this year, which is mm -hmm. something that I wanted to do from the beginning of when we put this organization together. Is for MS Views and News to be the center of the wheel and get all the organizations. What what we did with each one this year was get them on our show, talk about what it is that they do, and we're providing this resource out to everybody that watches. Yeah. So all of those are, are extremely important th things. And, you know, when we were talking earlier about the ways people receive information, um, certainly, you know, when we started doing a lot of virtual programs, it really made it easier to reach people who right. were in remote areas who may not have been able to come to those in-person programs. But being able to talk and interact in person is also extremely important because um, some people are isolated. And the only way that they get to um interact hold on the only way they get to interact is at these programs so for some people it's maybe the only social outing that they have all week um, or all month and so I think again it's important to use these different modalities to reach people um, so that they can be connected and become a part um, and remain a part of the MS community uh, what are your thoughts John um well boy I am just such a fan of the work that Stuart does and, and some MS great work. News and News does. Hearing it all recounted reminded me of, of, of just what a spectacular job they do. Absolutely. Um, pro programs can easily get overlooked from time to time, but they are the thing that not only brings people information, but it brings people together. And yes. I think that there's a, you know, a certain synergy and energy that gets created when we can come together and learn about something, ask those questions, have some of those fears put to rest a little bit. I think that's so important. 
Now, for, for Real Talk MS, that, that's just not the world we're in. Uh, so what, what really warms my heart more than anything, and I, what I've always told my listeners from the time there were just a few till lately when there seems to be a lot more, is that I always considered my podcast to be a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I really encourage them to interact with me. And they're not shy. <laughs> so what, what, makes, what makes me feel good that, about connecting people to credible information, to evidence-based kinds of research, is when I get an email from, uh, and, and this has happened, uh, from a couple of young people living with MS in Serbia mm-hmm. who tell me this is the only information about MS we can get. Or, or when I hear um, from someone in Kenya who tells me, in my country, there is one MRI machine and there are 20 neurologists for everybody. So you give me the questions I want to ask when it's my turn. Things like that, they do more than brighten my day. They, they, they really make a difference. So I, 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 I'm fortunate that the listener community gives me my report card every week. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, you guys are doing some amazing work and, you know, I am a big advocate of education. I'm a big advocate of people understanding what is going on with their condition and being empowered. And I think for me, if I reach one person, uh, the the thing that really warms my heart is when I do a program um, or I speak to someone and they say, gosh, I've had MS for 10 years and I didn't get it until you just explained it. And so for me, if I reach that one person and I have done programs where there's been only one person there, if I reach that one, I have done my job. Um, And you guys are doing a fantastic and amazing job. So as we're closing, tell the people where to find you. Start with Stuart and then uh, John. Tell the people where to find you and where to find your platforms. Wow. You just look up MS Views and News or go to msvn.org or, you know, that's on the website, or you just find us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram, okay? You can also just Google my name, and you will see thousands of articles, and that could get me in trouble, right? But uh, <laughs> by, the, by the way, I just have to cut in real quick here. So a lot of people see me as something far different than the other organizations. I, too, am an MS patient, okay? And I'm doing all these things, but I'm not doing them for myself, and I don't think about me having MS. I think about everybody else having MS. And that gives me the power or the empowerment to do all that I am able to do. And I don't get uh, slaughtered where a lot of people feel themselves getting beaten up during the day. And for me, again, I'm living everybody else's MS. I make MS itself live with me and I don't let it rule my life, all right? So that's something I just had to say, okay? Absolutely, absolutely. John, how can the people find you? Easy, you can go to realtalkms.com. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you find your favorite audio content, you can find Real Talk MS. That's great. Awesome. Awesome. 
Awesome sauce. Well, thank you all so much for chatting it up with me. And you can find me, the Nerdy Neurologist, um, on all of my social media platforms as the Nerdy Neurologist. And uh, thank you all so much. This has been an amazing, amazing conversation. And most importantly, thank you for the work that you do um, to help serve and better the MS community. And with that, we will sign off and we will see you all in two weeks. And we'll be talking about exercise. Okay, so get ready. All right, everyone have a wonderful evening and thank you for chatting with us. Thank you.